Welcome to the Twin Peaks Rewatch Podcast on the Idle Thumbs Network. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. This is Episode 1, The Pilot. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jake. Oh, hi. Hi. And also, hello to you. Thanks for subscribing or considering subscribing if you're just checking this out on SoundCloud or on the Idle Thumbs website. Uh, this is a new podcast dedicated to watching Twin Peaks one episode every week uh, and discussing it, um, whether you're rewatching it, as Jake and I are, or whether you're new to the show. So if you haven't seen Twin Peaks before or if you have friends who you want to be able to talk about it with who have not seen it before, um, we are going to structure this show in such a way that you should be totally safe. Um, we're going we're gonna to cut the episode at a certain point. We're going to take a break. And then continue, you know, halfway through or whatever, two-thirds of the way through, um, with spoilery discussions that seem relevant to the episode we're discussing. But until that point, um, we should be safe for new watchers. Yeah, um, we'll only talk about what has already happened. Exactly. Right. As opposed to what we know happens later. Yep. And we'll be uh, that will all come along with uh, mail from listeners. If you want to send us feedback about the current week's episode in advance of the actual podcast release, you can send it to twin peaks at idlethumbs.net. We've already got a bunch of really good mail. So we'll be bringing that up on the show today. Um, we're excited to do this. Jake and I do another podcast called idle thumbs. You can get that at idlethumbs.net, which is also where you can find this show. Um, and we've never done this format before where we have a very specific start and end goal, but we're, we're pretty excited about and it. And just a podcast about one specific thing. Like exactly Idle Thumbs yep. is a general video game discussion podcast. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is like, I guess we're just talking about twin peaks. Yep. Uh, <laughs> once a week Yeah. for however, I don't even know how many episodes there are of the show. I've forgotten at this point. Yeah. About 30, I would think. Cause right. the second season is about 20, I think, I think it's like 12 and 24 or something, or yeah, something right. close to that. So a little, yeah, and like, then there's the movie and there's some ancillary stuff. Mm -hmm. And we'll be working through probably a lot of that stuff once we get through the core episodes. Yep. And if we're cool enough at this and people enjoy it enough, we'll, I imagine, try to cover the new Showtime series in 2016. Yeah, but like, yeah, that's, that's so far off from now. That for like, sure. Right. So that, that was, we had actually been talking about doing a Twin Peaks rewatch podcast for like months now. Because of the Blu-rays, I think. Right. Because the Blu-rays were coming out and then we kind of got got our asses in gear when they when mark frost and david lynch the uh, creators of the of the show um announced that it will be returning to showtime in 2016 well returning comma on showtime yeah um so that's exciting uh all of that said um if you think we do a decent job with this first episode please tell your friends we don't really know how to spread the word about this because we're starting it from scratch but we're pretty excited about it yeah, so you want to talk about this TV show, Twin Peaks? I do. Uh, specifically, the pilot episode? I do want to talk exactly about that. Good, because that's uh, that's why we're here. Yes, so we both rewatched the pilot, I assume, in the last couple of days, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Shit. <laughs> um, there, so I'll, I guess I'll kick it off, if that's okay. Yeah. A thing that I was struck by in the first episode, I mean, admittedly, it's a longer episode, and maybe this maybe this episode of the podcast will be longer than most as a result of that. Right. But it was amazing to me how many different plot lines are introduced. Yeah. In the I, had, I had forgotten because I think it's, it's been like four or five years since I watched the show. Yeah. But just like, I remember the sort of the threads of a ton of these plot lines, but I was not expecting like mm -hmm. my memory of the pilot was not that it just goes, okay. I mean, twin peaks, it wants to, 
you know, it, it sort of plays inside of a lot of the genre tropes of like daytime soap television. Mm-hmm. But I had forgotten that the pilot basically opens as if you're in the middle of 10 years of this stuff oh, already yeah. existing. It's just like we have a cast of like yep. 35 people, mm-hmm. like multiple generations of characters. Like the pre-planning for that must have been out of control. It's incredible. It actually gives me a lot of respect for the... Like, I, it's a pilot. Like what? Yeah. You know? It's pretty... It's a pilot, but it's not... But it's, it's essentially... It's a really confident pilot is what I'll say. It is, yeah. it is not – a lot of pilots of shows often are truer pilots in that they're kind of feeling out the terrain a bit. A lot of things end up changing. I mean, the pilot of this show is 100% essential to the rest of the show and is like the foundation for everything. And you, they immediately dives in. I mean, there's no reevaluation of like – the tone or the concept of the show after the right. pilot, at least it doesn't feel that way to me. Um, like when I was watching it, I started taking notes on just the number of subplots that are introduced in the pilot of twin peaks. And like, I'm sure I didn't even get all of them, but they include obviously the overarching, um, plot line, which is the, the death of Laura Palmer and the, the investigation into her murder. Um, but there's also the ghostwood estate sale. Um, the whole Renette, uh, Renette Pulaski, um, her turning up, you know, in a bad right. state. There's Harry and Josie. There's Bobby and Shelley's affair. There's Shelley and Leo's abusive relationship. The James Laura Donna love triangle. The Ed Nadine Norma Hanks situation. Um, there's Catherine and Ben Horn. Um, there's Andy and Lucy kind of hinted at a little bit. Right. Uh, there's the Packard lumber mill powered yeah, struggle. Packard Martell thing. Yeah. And then there's also, um, did you talk about, um, Josie and the sheriff right, thing. Too, and, yeah. and then there's like the beginning of this, like, or the stuff at the roadhouse. Like mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, <laughs> it's intense. And, and it all, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it also really sets the tone for what this show is. A lot of people, uh, tonally, I mean, a lot of people have written in already so far who have not ever seen twin peaks before saying how surprised they are by what the identity of this show is, because I, I think this show often erroneously gets lumped in with the rest of sort of David Lynch's career in a, in an overly, um, broad way. Cause it's right. not, I mean, it's, it is definitely has it, a lot of David Lynch in it. It has like the signature visual flares, like right. Laura, like Laura's autopsy scene with yes, the flickering light. Like it has yeah. the sort uh-huh. of that stuff, but like, but it, but it, it is so much more, tv ish it's it's amazing how kind of prosaic in a lot of ways it is yep it it is it is there's just moments of completely ridiculous humor that flow directly into a scene of incredibly disturbing tragedy or hysteria and then right back into just a hilarious joke again right which isn't something i really think of when i think of a david lynch film not that his movies never have levity in them right but they tend to be a lot more um tone pieces consistently throughout that feeling though also i feel like revs up over the course of the of the episode like, it's true like it's definitely true agent cooper doesn't even get involved until Burnett pulaski shows up yeah which he's, I, he's not in the episode for like, like the whole first i've forgotten that you get through like a whole 30 minute tv mm-hmm. show of just a million townspeople all being interconnected to laura palmer's life in a bunch of incredibly complicated ways yeah i also had forgotten that I don't know. I don't want to just keep talking about things that I forgot, but I liked like 
the shot of her stumbling across the bridge and that sort of discovery mm-hmm. and how that ties into the mill stuff. But then the only real reason that Cooper actually shows up at all is because Renette Pulaski crossed the state line to reenter Twin Peaks, which oh, means that right. it's a federal case. Yeah, like, right. There's so, so many just tiny details all over the show. Like so here, here's a tiny detail that maybe puts me into kind of overly indulgent um, <laughs> mode, but I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about this. Um, when the, the scene where Renette uh, Pulaski is stumbling across the bridge mm-hmm. and there's the kind of older guy chopping wood or whatever he's doing right. in the woods. And he's the one who spots her. It, I wonder if there's something to the notion that maybe the fact that they chose to have her kind of discovered by this working class, older generation guy. Also, Laura Palmer is discovered like Pete, by right? Pete, this, you know, again, kind of working class, older guy i wonder if that it's says like something about what is going on in yeah the world. you have like, this sort of old world working class order that is disrupted by kind of modernity um kind of violence hedonism as represented by these sort of young murdered or or violated young or both young girls um as well as the introduction of dale cooper this very, you know, young, modern, kind of slick back man who comes into their town. Right. And he, like, loves all of it, but he loves it from, like, this weird, like, like through three inches of lacquer that he can, like, appreciate yeah. everything. He's through. observing everything yeah. in, in a, almost sort of a, I don't want to say voyeuristic way, because I don't think that that is accurate to his character, but in a fascinated way. Yeah. Yeah. He gets a charge out of it for sure. Um, there's, there's a few scenes actually, you know, what scene really reminds me of that is, uh, the scene you mentioned when he's in the, uh, the autopsy room, the light is flickering. It is one of the most David Lynch moments in the whole thing where he, um, uh, there's the end of that scene and he says, Sheriff, we have a lot to talk about. And he looks basically crazed, Like he's looking almost directly into the camera, the lights flickering. He has this just grin on his face and his eyes are wide open and it's, and it's intense. Also, fun fact about that scene. Um, did, have, did you notice when, maybe you already are aware of this, when uh, <laughs> when Cooper tells the attendant, the morgue employer, whoever he is, to uh, to leave them alone, he says, would you leave us alone, please? And the morgue attendant goes, Jim. And then Cooper says, uh, would you leave us alone, please? The guy goes, oh, certainly. And then he leaves. That was a total miss. That was a like complete mistake on set. The the other guy thought he was ask he thought Kyle McLaughlin was asking him his name. So he goes, Jim. But <laughs> McLaughlin McLaughlin doesn't break character. He just, he just repeats like, the question. Could you leave could, could you leave oh, alone? Man. And you know oh, David certainly. Lynch was just like, Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's in. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it's so good. It's I I, I I paused it and and backed up. 30 seconds just so I could watch it again. I totally it, didn't notice that yeah. happening at all. I, I noticed, I remember noticing that the first time I saw the show and being completely confused about what's going on so because it doesn't it make any sense. Yeah. I looked it up. Uh, it's, it's I, a, it's a great moment. I think that whole, that whole collection of them in the hospital and the morgue is probably my favorite or like the part that I was like the most excited to, to be rewatching in the pilot. And I don't know why, like it's probably just cause I had forgotten all the stuff, but like the scene right before that, is when they meet Dr. Jacoby for the first time. Oh, and it's just inexplicable. Where, like, yeah. he sees, uh, he sees Cooper and Truman in the elevator, and then Truman just kind of looks at him like he doesn't really want to engage. The elevator door closes, and, <laughs> yep. then, and then, and then you see him busted out of the stair, the stairwell. But then, like, nothing comes of that. He's just a weird guy. Right. And I, I, I kind of enjoy that Cooper 
doesn't, at least in that moment, doesn't press the, the Laura Palmer connection. Right. The, you'd think. Oh, right. Because that, then he's like, her parents don't even know she was seeing me. And then right. he leaves after <laughs> he's like, you FBI. Like, he's just being this, like, sly fucking guy. For yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. Oh, man. But it's the, fascinating. Going from that to then just, like, that morgue scene that was also, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the and the work scene is also just a balance of a million awesome things because it has like the that the weird fucking exchange with the mortician and Cooper being a crazy guy, but then it also like has the really super hardcore procedural stuff where he's like pulling the thing mm-hmm. out of her fingernail, right? Is, the letter, yeah, which yeah, puts into motion yet another kind of sub subplot. Yeah, um, the there's there's another uh, speaking of these like rapid shifts in tone. There's one that really. Uh, struck me, I suppose, is that I think this kind of art, this sort of, uh, back and forth, I think happens a lot during the pilot. Um, this, uh, when the Norwegians are being translated in the Ghostwood <laughs> estate sale scene, which is already kind of played for laughs, just the, well, w- the translations are just insanely false, right? Like it right. sounds like it sounds like uh, like Jabba the Hutt's assistant in Star Wars, where like <laughs> what he's saying in to Jabba the Hutt is no Jabba, no bother, which is just right. supposed to be a translation for do not bother Jabba. Right. I would if any Norwegians are listening to this. Is podcast, it actually Norwegian? I have no idea. I don't know. That shows how ignorant I am. I should look this up. Right? I know. I didn't look either. <laughs> I just like especially I didn't really notice the translation until the very last line, which just sounded like they just put a, yeah, I remember a seeing that questionable well. yeah. Norwegian accent on English. But, that, but the thing that's crazy to me about that scene is that it starts with that, which is ridiculous and, and, and funny. And then it goes straight to the, you know, um, oh, Palmer to, is, es, is escorted. To Leland getting the phone call and you yes. see the police car pull up in the background. Right. And then on the other end of the, lo- uh, the, other end of the phone, um, Laura's mother is just losing it. I mean, it's just right because one she of the, just I knows. Think, yeah, like, I think the most sort of affecting and impressive performance in the whole pilot, I think, is Laura's mother. She just lets loose completely, and it is terrifying. Like her, her grief is terrifying. She's just to me. a strong character in yeah. all ways. Like her design, like as an actress, I have no idea what she looks like when she's not playing Laura Palmer's mom. What's whose name I've forgotten other than Laura Palmer's mom? I, right, her I character. Can't also. But I'm like, terrible. she has just these crazy sharp oh, Sarah, features. Sarah, 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 yeah, yeah. Sarah Palmer. She like, she as just as an actress has just incredibly just pronounced crazy features in her face, but then they also give her that like eighties perm. Like, Oh yeah, it's perfect so, to frame her face. And it's just crazy. I don't know. She just like, the, it's just intense as fuck. Well, she's, she, she's totally, um, manic depressive, which is great. She switches between being told her responses, being totally deadened right. and and utterly lifeless to then in the next second being just completely manic and hysterical. Yeah. And I find it totally convincing. I mean, it, like it's a, it's a really, the, the, this show is melodramatic in general, but I think as is, as is her performance, I suppose. But I think there's a real edge of naturalism to her yep. just complete unvarnished grief that I really appreciate. We are completely failing to find to find a through line in any of this conversation. It's true. But talking about her the, like the repeat the repeat shot of like the staircase of her glancing up at the staircase. Mm-hmm. Which know. you first see when she actually climbs up it. Right. You know, the first time you see that it's in a it's it's uh she doesn't yet know that Laura is is dead. 
uh, and she actually walks up the staircase and right. looks. And, and the thing she, that's so great about that shot is that it's totally functional because she walks up, she opens the door. It's framed so well. You see the light from the inside right. of the room. She walks down to look in the in the bathroom. But then it has the insert shot of the ceiling fan. And you hear the buzz yeah. for like a second. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's really good. And then she keeps looking up there. Yeah. Like. I guess just sort of listening for Laura and right. but just being bummed about it. And right. like, what, like, yeah, I don't know. It's a great shot. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a totally classic iconic shot from that show. There, that is one of the shots that, that I, I noted down as, as really, I think speaking to Lynch's direct influence, right? There's that, there's the, uh, there's the fact that the two, the ways we know Laura are through her kind of, perfect high school prom queen photograph, right? Where she looks right. like a princess, basically. I mean, she's perfect right. looking in that shot. And then also the shot we keep seeing of her wrapped in the plastic. Right. But even that kind of, to me, it's still the, kind of like a beauty shot. Yeah, the, exactly. The specs on her face that I guess are debris almost look like jewelry or something like they're glittering. She, her right. discolored it has like, lips it's like almost, almost like mermaid like imagery makeup. or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, it's really distressing uh, in how perfectly composed the right. whole thing is, and I, I love that. That that's we're just constantly bombarded with those two images of her. Yep. Uh, you know, and even in the pilot, we already start to get the suggestion that she, her actual life, is not reflected by that that perfect image, and so it's great that we're. I think we're constantly. Reminded of how she is seen, you know, to the public at large. And I mean, there's also something I think, uh, to be the way that the town learns of her death, I think is really, really well played. Um, cause she, she is the, I think Laura Palmer, and this is an obvious observation to make, but I think Laura, a teenager. <laughs> she's the, she's definitely the embodiment of what I was getting at earlier with this notion of this sort of sleepy working class town being just kind of violently assaulted by like right. decrepitude and, and well, modernity. The Laura and, Palmer and, that fits into the sort of past, like past of Twin Peaks, which is also its public face is basically her prom photo, but then every other aspect of her. Yeah. Is right. Yeah. And, and I, and I love the, I think that that is reflected in the way that the school learns of her death, which is that it's, it sort of starts to slowly ripple out throughout the student community with bef- like by the time the principal actually gets on the PA system and announces that Laura Palmer has died. Everybody knows without anyone ever saying the words, it's as though that screaming girl running through the hallway. Yeah. And then, and also the reactions of these specific students, I think really start to plant seeds about their characters. Right. So James, when in the classroom when James and Donna and Audrey all kind of start to learn about this. Right. James is just sitting there smoldering, holding it all in. Donna is totally distraught. Audrey is kind of weirdly aloof right. as she's kind of like smirking. Like she, there's right. But you know, B- Bobby is kind of just like totally incredulous and <laughs> deflecting all blame. Like he definitely cares a lot more about how <laughs> Bobby's he's basically viewed. just being a, Total anus. Which yeah, is all right. He cares obviously a lot more about his image than right. specifically about her dying. But they all. But it's as though they were all kind of somehow expecting this 
not this specifically, but something like this to happen. Like it almost seems right. inevitable. You get the feeling that there has definitely been like just a pressure cooker amongst the, exactly amongst these kids, but potentially just amongst the youth of this town. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and that, that, that was, a, I think a really powerful scene. Um, I'm trying to think if I had any other specific, <laughs> there's a lot of just, uh, a lot of just really ridiculous humor in, in the, uh, in this show that I, I, kind of forgot about a little bit, but speaking of the the high school students and the way that they're introduced in general, one of my absolute favorite moments in the pilot is when Donna and Audrey, um, the first time in the pilot, they see each other. Um, Audrey is smoking a cigarette kind of halfway ducked into her locker Mm -hmm. and Donna comes by and they sort of acknowledge each other and smile at each other a little bit and share a wink. Um, and then as that scene ends, there's just this kid in the background dancing right out of frame oh yeah man <laughs> a complete like non-character dance out of there yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what an amazing bizarre moment um there's a lot of just scene cappers like that in or shot cappers at least in in this show which i, I great i'm just gonna mention a couple more of them because i because they're the best because like, they're the best yeah there's when uh when cooper is um when Cooper forces open Laura's diary, finds the envelope with cocaine and the key, uh, he, uh, you know, he says to um, Sheriff Truman, you know, my guess is this will test positive for cocaine. Truman replies, that's impossible. Cooper says, you ever been surprised before? Which I think is one, just a great line. Yep. And then he picks up his recorder and just says, Diane, I'm ho- holding in my hand a box of chocolate bunnies. And then the scene ends. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and then, I mean, the, uh, the whole scene where the Norwegians are leaving and there's just some woman in the background screaming, the Norwegians are leaving right. just again and again and again. Yeah. Perfect. That feels like a Coen brothers thing yeah, to me. It really does. Uh, then there's when, um, God, when they go into the, uh, like a, I guess an interrogation room in the police station, there's a huge deer head on the table. They kind of look at Lucy and Lucy so just it says, fell over. it fell down. Yep. <laughs> And then my last one of these I want to point out is when they're in the uh, the courtroom, Cooper turns to Truman and says, who's that lady with the log? Truman goes, we call her the log lady. <laughs> yep. End of explanation. Speaking of which, do you want to address log lady intros? Yeah, I guess. Uh, if you're watching this on many of the DVD versions or the Blu-ray version, I think there's an option to turn on or turn off log lady intros where the character of the log lady just kind of says a weird esoteric thing that kind of thematically relates to the episode. They were produced when the TV show was syndicated or re-aired. They're not part of the original broadcast, if I'm not mistaken. I don't personally like them all that much, but I know there are a lot of people who are big Twin Peaks fans for whom like the log lady thing is like just an, an integral part of the experience right. of the show at this point. I don't know. Like I didn't even watch it for this episode because I watched... Uh, I watch it on Netflix, and Netflix does not have the Log Lady intros. Mm. Although Netflix has the HD transfer from the Blu-ray, I think. Oh, interesting. Which is really nice. Um, but I don't know. Like, what are you? What are you? What are your feelings on Log Lady? I don't intros? have a strong. I don't have a strong feeling, Log Lady. I think I'm inclined to generally agree with you, simply because I feel that they draw. A, there's no real need to draw attention. I think to the weird enigmatic nature of this show it just only increases as the episodes go on yep. and i i it feels superfluous to me right i mean i think the show is a complete piece without 
without setting the stage in a yeah. cryptic way. I mean, I think if when we get to the end of this, we want to do like deleted scenes from the film right. or sure. things like that. Maybe we can also then talk about that content. But mm-hmm. I mean, I almost like I've always sort of pictured it as like a special feature, like an extra and, and not as the main show. Right. Um, yeah. It's not how the show is originally shot and broadcast. So. Yeah. That's, I think that's a totally fair point. And to in that point, anyone... we're also only going to be discussing the content in SD. <laughs> so, yeah, I watched... It's actually... I'm, this is something I'm looking forward to talking about next week. Um, I watched this uh, pilot in standard definition because this is what I had available to me. But I actually do have the full Blu-ray set, and I'll be watching the rest of it. Um, I was just out of town this, this weekend, which is why. So, But I'll be watching the rest of it, the series in HD, on the Blu-ray transfer which looks great by the way it looks absolutely fantastic so next week i'm looking forward to doing a kind of comparison and uh talking about my thoughts on that on it's that so good that this show was shot on film and is now available to yeah. uh, to be rescanned and put in hd yep. like it speaks so much towards just the like complete silent and assumed value placed on every major television and film studio actually preserving their entire archive to such a high degree that like I don't know. It's not, it's not worth talking about specifically in the context of Twin Peaks, but just like, it's not a thing that I even thought about until they started doing it with the Star Trek yeah, absolutely. TV shows. I'm just like, oh, fuck, right. I Do we swear on this podcast? Sorry, explicit tag. <laughs> just obviously these things are shot on film. They can be, even though they were they transferred be, yeah, to they, video, they, they can, can be, be scanned the same yep. way that a classic uh-huh. film can be. And it seems like, I don't know, it's just... It, yeah, it's it, a really important thing. I mean, all... The, a lot of shows that were filmed, you know, especially in the 90s and earlier, were shot on video, and they're never going to look as good as they could. Well, even that they the, could have even if they in were the shot 90s, on film. In the 90s, a lot of single-camera stuff was shot on film. But like, yeah, mo- most, right. yeah. A lot of stuff was, but a lot wasn't also. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a, you know, as you say, there's the, the preservation aspect of it is a huge, huge, huge factor. And I think probably also comes along with the fact that directors who insisted or showrunners, I suppose who insisted on shooting their shows on film, probably in general just had a more of an eye toward craft. That said, it overall. will be interesting to see how twin peaks as a series holds up in high definition film, because not all of the episodes are as well considered as the pilot. Yeah. I think and one of the things, like of the, some of these, some of the episodes get like, especially in late season two. Yeah. If you're really excited about this podcast in twin peaks, uh, obviously continue to keep watching it. It's a great show, but like all TV shows, it there's a mixed bag and it mm-hmm. gets into some questionable, d- <laughs> for sure, dumb, dumb crap. Yeah. But like, it'll be interesting. Also, actually, like watching Sorry, the production values and just in a, like David Lynch shoots for film before or shot for film before he made twin peaks. But like, it'll be interesting watching episodes that are just made by like totally television director, craftsman guys who probably are not ever expecting the stuff that they make to be viewed at the crispness of film. Right. And you just, you know, no, it's absolutely true. Um, it, I, we should probably make a point. Uh, this, the pilot obviously is directed by David Lynch. It's many of the episodes in the show are directed by David Lynch, but, um, we should probably make a point to observe in future episodes, which are are directed by David Lynch and which are not. Well, I think we we can just try at the beginning of episodes Mm -hmm. to just give out the episode name, who wrote it, who directed it. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point because it would be helpful and it makes us sound all smart. (laughs) 
You want to do some reader mail? Yeah, let's do some. Let's I mean, do some some, ma- some some viewer some mail. viewer mail, whatever we call this. Yeah, um, we already have some some good ones, which I was was a surprise to me, given that we hadn't even recorded a single episode yet. But again, the address, if you would like to send us mail um, for the next week, obviously feel free to send us mail about episode two of Twin Peaks to twinpeaks at idlethumbs.net. Um, so uh, Alexander Alcazar writes in, uh, this is a thing we talked about a little bit already. He says, oh, hold on one thing, oh, just a note. This is still, we're sorting, we're, just like our discussion, we're sorting the mail um, for sort of first time watch and post watch. So this section is still just yeah. We're not gonna. This is safe. We're not gonna. Yeah, we'll let you know. Before, right, exactly. We'll let you know before we get into that. Um, if we do, Alexander Alcazar writes. I just finished the first episode, and that low shot of the stairs in Laura's house scared the shit out of me every time. I shouldn't have watched this at night. I've never seen stairs that sinister. What a great first episode. As a casual fan of Lynch's work, I've somehow never got around to watching Twin Peaks. And while I was expecting a bunch of eccentric characters and situations, I didn't expect such a compelling murder mystery juxtaposed with such goofy antics. As mysteries go, this one has me hooked, and the Lynchian wrongness that permeates everything really enhances the sense of dread that a murder mystery naturally brings. Also, I was watching a Wes Anderson movie earlier today and find myself thinking that these two gentlemen... Anderson and Lynch, in my opinion, some of the greatest stylistic geniuses in film, are like polar opposites on the spectrum of eccentric filmmakers. One could say Anderson is the Lynch of Feel Good, or maybe that Lynch is the Anderson of Mystery. Oh, and goddamn those stairs, Alex from Sweden. Good. Fair, yeah, fair, fair observations. I think yeah. the the reason I wanted to uh, read this email is because of the sense of sort of what he calls Lynchian wrongness, which I think is totally. Mm-hmm. I think that's really evident in a lot of scenes that have to do with Laura's mother um, seeming to kind of get psychically triggered by things that are happening in totally different locations. And it's totally, I think it's deliberate on Lynch's part that there's no suggestion as to whether that is actually her reacting to those things or whether it's just a juxtaposition of, of how much of it is just like sort of a mother's sense and how much of it is just coincidence and how much of it is a literal link. right how much yeah. of it is just him choosing to right. present two images right. in a way that is most distressing which is the thing that if you've seen a bunch of david lynch movies right. is a tactic he often the, uses the episode just ends by yes. just going full in on exactly. that yep well yeah when the hand is is reaching right, like, for the for the rock where the locket is buried is and that then, something that is happening exactly as she's doing that is as she, she's screaming right or, or is like she's somehow recalling a thing she could have known about is that a dream like mm-hmm. what you know wh- who the, the thing I it's love, also not relevant entirely right and the thing i love about that scene is that it's obviously it's it, part of it is is sort of functionally a cliffhanger right i mean right. you want to know who was watching them or who knows what where they buried that and how um but it well, also, also see that rock and that dirt earlier in the episode right don't well they bury it there oh that's right yes yeah. duh um and uh <laughs> and um uh uh, you know, James and Donna bury, yeah. bury yes. Laura's h- half of the heart locket there. And uh, in addition to just the functional kind of cliffhanger aspect of those shots, it also just feels weird yeah. <laughs> unto itself. It's just right? weird it's and side- distressing as just a piece of edited exactly. footage. Yeah. And yeah. That, that is a really, really effective part of this show in general. Um, Along the same... So yeah, actually here, the directly related to what we just said, Stephen Chen writes, Hi, Chris and Jake. I've been a longtime David Lynch fan. I saw Mulholland Drive for the first time on my 16th birthday, and it got me into filmmaking. I'd never watched Twin Peaks. Thanks to your podcast, this is now being remedied. 
There's so many things that could be discussed about the pilot, but instead of any particular plot point, I'd like to discuss the unique style and effectiveness of horror, topical of Lynch, and hear your thoughts on the matter. The last ca- <laughs> that last scene in the pilot scared the crap out of me. Um, I'm not easily scared by horror techniques in most films, but Lynch's work is really frightening. It evokes personal experiences I've had with lucid dreams and nightmares and hypnagogic hallucinations. Hypnagogic, wow. Intense word. I need to look that up. The things being shown don't make any explicit or logical sense, but somehow fit together to feel significant, like the pareidolia that sometimes sometimes happens when you see a face in a pile of jumbled clothes. I always see a face in everything. Jake, yeah, Jake is a connoisseur of seeing faces and things. Um... I mean, this person's basically making the point we just made. <laughs> but he's in time, it's, 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 uh, but with, with elevated language that we're like, incapable yeah, like of conjuring. Version. Yeah. In time, one might be able to form some kind of narrative to explain what happened and why, but I don't usually find that to be necessary with Lynch's work. The visceral and psychological impact is immediate and lasting, regardless of whether I understand why it exists narratively. From a technical standpoint, I notice subtle differences in how Lynch creates horror. There's usually some kind of buildup of tension and dread in the music, even in what you could describe as jump scare scenes. I find this to be much more effective than typical jump scares, as that kind of shock is only momentary and usually distracting. Lynch seems to focus more on the person being frightened than of the actual source for that fear. I feel that horror channeled through empathy with a character is more effective than seeing too much of the source of the horror. Anyway, as a film student and maker who counts Lynch as a major source of inspiration, I'd love to hear everyone else's experiences with Twin Peaks. Thanks again for the podcast, and I look forward to the rest of the episodes. Steve, Bully GM on the forums. It's a good reminder that we have a forum set up for discussing the Twin Peaks Rewatch podcast. If you go to idlethumbs.net slash forum... Is it forums or forum? I'm not sure. If you go to idlethumbs.net and click forum link um, in the header at the top yeah you can find the sub forum about the twin peaks rewatch podcast and every week we'll have a new thread up there to discuss the latest one yep yeah so when this episode goes up there will be an, a thread to discuss this episode but we'll probably also have a let's talk about episode two mm-hmm. thread that you guys can yeah. use during the week yep totally um yeah i mean i don't even know how much we need to respond to that because i feel like we're really on the same page yeah no it's, <laughs> it's just a good email and yeah and Good think, emails. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to maybe split this off into spoiler? Yeah. Let's, zone. You want to jump into the into the spoiler territory? Oh, actually, okay. Before we go to spoiler territory, when we announced that we were doing a Twin Peaks rewatch podcast, we were uh, the amount of interest that we got was really was was really encouraging. But the number one thing that we actually got was names uh, that we should call the podcast. So maybe at the spoiler oh. break is when I will just introduce this. But uh, in addition to sending us thoughts, feel free to just send us alternate names for this podcast if you really want, because people seem to not be able to resist. Yeah. Um, but this week's rejected title is The Audio Log, which was suggested by our friend Ollie. <laughs> uh, yep. So now I guess it's time for spoilers. Yeah. We went with the most obvious, un- Twin Peaks rewatch. Yeah. But yeah, man. No misinterpretation allowed. The audio log. The audio log is good. Twin Geeks was suggested. Uh, hey, don't burn them all. We got we got a couple dozen more weeks to... to uh... The double R with Rodkin and Ramo. Yep. All right. Get those uh, out of the way. Send us your terrible ideas at... Uh, Actually, send us send us your great emails, your because best... so far they're great. No, but so continue sending us your best questions and your worst name ideas to twinpeaks.idlethumbs.net. Yes. So this is the end of the first like half of this episode for people who have, are just watching the show for the first time. If you are watching it for the first time, you really should stop listening right after we're done talking right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we will be back next week 
with episode two, Traces to Nowhere, um, which in some places is listed as episode one of Twin Peaks and in some places episode two. More on that next week. It's the one after the pilot, Traces to Nowhere. That's what you want. Yep. Um, you can tell your friends about this show if you enjoyed it. Um, you can send us feedback at twinpeaks.idlethumbs.net. You can find us on Twitter at twin... Uh, I'm sorry. You can find us on Twitter at Peaks Rewatch. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Twin Peaks Rewatch. You can find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Twin Peaks Rewatch. And you can find our show's homepage at idlethumbs.net slash Twin Peaks. Now for spoilers. Yeah. Like, for real. Like, you will be so sad <laughs> if you listen to the back. Like, just think about it this way. You're going to watch all of Twin Peaks with us with this podcast, and then you can go back and... Listen to it all over again. Ideally, you're using some podcast software that keeps track of where you left off. So maybe you can just go back through a second time and just start playing from there here. You go. And yeah. you'll be really excited. But don't keep listening or you'll be bummed. Yep. Unless you really don't care. In which case, welcome. The first time that I watched Twin Peaks was the only time that I've watched it. So this rewatch is my, my second viewing in total. Right. Mm-hmm. And just the experience of coming back to this, knowing how the Laura Palmer mystery ends, right. has been really enjoyable. But I don't, I'm, st- I'm still afraid to just like fucking just go into I it. I know it's hard to get over the like because no like I'm impulse. afraid that someone's still going to be listening. Leland Palmer kills uh, Laura Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Leland Palmer by way of but just like there's possessive spirit. Yeah, and I I know we're not going to get into the European pilot in depth but the european pilot is an even longer version of the pilot that starts going into the stuff movie it starts going into the stuff with mike and bob and into the the black lodge or the red room or whatever it's Mm -hmm. referred to as in the pilot and like mike shows up in the pilot he's just he's walks past the elevator in the morgue like he's just that's so true he's just in the pilot for a second and it's because those, those guys were cast for the european pilot and that stuff then got folded into the main story arc but like when Sarah Palmer keeps looking up at the room and she's like, who's up there? And like, Oh, it's just your husband mm-hmm. and yeah, a police officer. But like, there's a, yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's, like, a, that's an amazing, oh, there's so yeah. many just little, like little nods, little things where like, yeah. it doesn't like, I don't think it's enough to give anything away, but just like, it just, it just falls under the sort of general creepy tone of that broken family. But if you know what's going on and you know that those guys know because they ended up having to come up with, like, you know, maybe they didn't know. I actually don't know the answer to that. I've never looked because the European pilot, I don't think definitively pins the murder on someone. Does it? Um, or does it just like, it just kind of falls into insanity. Doesn't it more than it? Yeah. More than it yeah. identifies a killer. Yeah. But I think that, I think that the, it feels like they have to at least have an inkling of, of a couple threads that, that could end up being the, the solution based on the way that those dynamics are played in the yeah. show. This is something maybe uh, there are probably people listening who know the answer to this question. Yeah. How, you know, how far in to the series was it that that Lynch and Frost knew how, you know, how these right. primary plot mystery was going to be tied up? Um, and we can discuss that on the spoiler section of next week's yeah. cast, I guess. Because, yeah, just did they always know that it was going to be that guy? Did they totally make it up at the season break? Did they have multiple possible angles that they were like pursuing and then they slowly took them off the table? Like how, how is that structured? I don't actually know, mm-hmm. but also hearing like, um, 
man, is it Alfred or Albert? The other, the other Albert, agent. Albert hearing his name drop, but just like hearing, right. yep. hearing uh-huh. all the little tiny things that you yep. know, blow up into other things in the pilot, just yeah, like feels further like the, cement that this thing totally. is either really, really, really well thought out or they deliberately wrote themselves a bunch of hooks that they then yeah. later. That's something that onto. I, I have to imagine that Mark Frost brought a lot of that to the table because he was an experienced television showrunner, mm-hmm. which obviously David Lynch was not. David Lynch's movies are not soap opera like in this way. They're just not. They're dream. They're, they're much more dreamlike and with with a few exceptions like The Elephant Man, which is a much more traditional movie. Like right. most of David Lynch's movies are very fractured and not that they don't have internal consistency of any kind, but they are not TV intricate in the way this is. Right. And the, you get the sense that this was at least early on really carefully plotted. Um, the show went on longer than I think anyone expected it to. So that kind of starts to fall apart in that season way. Season two being a 24 episode yeah, season. But the, God, the way it's, you're totally right that having seen this before, having seen the whole thing before and then going back and watch it again, you really appreciate even more how well constructed right. all this stuff is right from the start. And then also to the bad points, it also makes you just be like, man, they had a lot figured out and then they didn't quite land a lot of it. Yep. Like, but <laughs> yeah. it's actually, it makes me think when you talk, when you point out how Mike, you know, the one armed man is, is already present in the, in the pilot. Um, Albert is name dropped. You have all these little, these little clues. Um, kind of maybe the only ma- major char- season one character who isn't, introduce immediately is madeline i guess mm-hmm. right yeah who's who's sort of the like weird laura doppelganger cousin right character. but it feels like she they save her though because that like oh yeah you need to save her because you need laura's face to only exist as this like right. specter for the whole and they get a lot more forward with the parallels to soap operas like it's it's sort of it feels like it's alluded to and obviously just the structure of this show is 100 percent a soap opera but like they go We'll talk about that when that episode comes up, but just like mm-hmm. a character's twin shows up on the soap opera that everyone in Twin Peaks <laughs> right. is obsessed with, and then Laura's doppelganger. Oh shows yeah, I can't up. wait to talk about the soap opera. There's none of that in the pilot yet, is there? I can't remember if it's even like, if it's like backgrounded on TV, but it never. Mm-hmm. I don't think it just cuts straight into. We have that. to remember to to talk about that. It's so easy we, to remember yeah, because yeah. it's notable yeah. and ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I am so concerned that people are just spoiling themselves right now. I know. Me too. I feel like whatever we, hopefully we put a nice little break in there so people could disengage and turn the podcast off because like, yeah, I know. I know it would be a disaster. We warned everyone. I know we warned them a bunch of times and then you even started a new warning as you were trying to say the thing you were going to say. I know. Um, Oh my God. Don't Hey, if you're listening and you just spoiled yourself, you have no one to blame but yourself. We gave you plenty of, plenty of warning. So on that note. You want to you want to maybe wrap this up, or do you yeah. have, do you have any final notes? Um. Yeah. I, well, okay. This is probably codified and just known somewhere, but I've watched I've I've watched the show through. Okay. I wasn't going to get into this in this episode, but I've only watched ninety percent of Twin Peaks, so I haven't seen oh, the, really? I haven't seen the last three episodes. Oh, so that's going to be interesting. Interesting. I know what the final few scenes of the show are because they're just yelled loudly by twin peaks fans, but I have not seen the last three, but whatever I've I've also, I've seen the film. Um, but other than it just being vague, weird Lynchian affect, I've never entirely understood the purpose of the stoplight in the show. I was going to bring that up and I totally forgot. It's the most striking image in all of twin peaks to me. Always that high con uh, that high contrast. 
I feel like we should actually hanging stoplight, and maybe we should just we should just wait until we're it. back in the non-spoiler part because I feel like that's interesting. It's to also talk about only been seen on the main podcast uh, as a red light in the pilot so far, but it also like it, no, in the pilot it goes from from all three. Oh, does it? Green, yellow, to red. Yes. Fuck. Okay. Because yes. there's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, but like it shows up in various places and seems to be connected to like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's let's bring this up again next week in the in the. Okay. Proper in the main section of the podcast. Cause I think, yeah, it's totally worth talking about. Okay. All right. Um, you want to wrap it up? Yes. All right. Thanks for listening to episode one of twin peaks rewatch. Uh, you can find it at idlethumbsnet slash twin peaks. Uh, tell your friends. Um, if you're still listening to this, you probably already have seen the show because you listened to a bunch of spoilers, but tell your friends they don't need to have to listen to this. Also just, this goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. This is our first episode of the show. This is effectively our pilot episode, but yes. we are not David Lynch. So this is uh, <laughs> incredibly rough. And I hope that yeah. both send us your feedback yeah, as we get more used to this. And also just as the show goes on and we have more through lines to talk about, I, I, I imagine that it will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a fairly scattered yeah. episode as maybe befits the just absolutely <laughs> jam-packed every pilot. three minutes something is di- completely <laughs> yeah, different is yeah. happening yeah um but you can you feel free to give us feedback send it to twin peaks at all thumbs.net find us on twitter at peaks rewatch find us on facebook at facebook.com slash twin peaks rewatch um you can find us on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash twin peaks rewatch um i guess i should have listed all those before the spoiler break but all of you people get to hear it instead <laughs> of those other people thanks for listening we will do this again next week. I'm really looking forward to it. Episode two, Traces to Nowhere, next week. 